0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is David Mirikitani with another episode of Matt Chat. Today, it is my pleasure to be joined by the state chairman from the great state of Oklahoma for USA Wrestling, Kevin Crutchmer. Kevin, thanks for taking the time to be on with me today. No problem, Dave. How's life in Tulsa? Hot, getting
1: hot. It's been kind of cool, but today, today is definitely different.
0: As the state chairman, I, I wanted to have you on the show because of Junior Duels. Um, we're we're doing this interview a few weeks before Junior Duels, and I'll probably actually go live during Junior Duels. I want to talk to Let's start with that. What all is your involvement with getting such a massive undertaking like Junior Duels uh, to be hosted in Tulsa? Well,
1: maybe the process started about three or four years ago, um, you know, trying to keep it here in Oklahoma. You know, Archer Randall ran it for many years there in Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State University.
0: Right. And,
1: uh, when it came, uh, time for it to possibly move, we rebid, um, was we'll put back into place there with, uh, uh, USA Wrestling. You know, it took some negotiating, but, uh, with the help of many people in our wrestling community, uh, we were granted the Junior dual to get, um, we're going on our third year. Um, it's been, you know, a pretty, uh, exciting event. Um, We've to, you know, give great wrestling um, here in Tulsa, and, uh, you know, we've decided since we had such a great relationship with the Tulsa Sports Commission here in Tulsa that we would try to bring it here to Tulsa, and, you know, it just happened to work out.
0: Yeah, and when I was coaching in college, it was one of the events that you really needed to recruit. Uh, For people that, you know, don't know a lot about junior duels, and, and I can certainly chime in on this as well, but... You know, maybe talk a little bit about some of the kids that are now college stars that have come through and wrestled in that event so people can kind of get an idea of the quality of the event.
1: I mean, shoot, that, that uh, list is probably endless. Um, you know, just since we've had it, you know, um, I can you know, I can name some Oklahoma guys. You know, my son, Kyle Crutchman, Chandler Rogers, Kade Brock, Joe Smith. Um, you know, and then maybe from out, you know, other states, you know, Tommy Thorne from Minnesota.
0: Um, <clears throat> let's see. Um, Dayton, Fix, probably those kind of guys are going that on the college. Come, right. um, you
1: know, there's a, it, it's kind of hard because there's such an array of kids in that building. Especially with my role uh, being the director, I don't get to see a lot of the wrestling because I'm so busy with the logistics part. For sure. But I do know that uh, there's no doubt that each state puts together their best. Uh, lineup per weight, you know, in the junior division, and they bring you know every one of their hammers they possibly can. And I know last year, Ohio showed up here with a team that uh, I'll just be honest with you, I don't think everybody was prepared for. Them. They were really, really good.
0: <laughs> when I was recruiting, that Ohio brought in a team that had the steber brothers and Chris Phillips, and a bunch of the, you know, David Taylor was on that team, and yeah. I, people were like, "What? What in the holy hell happened here?" Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean. Exactly what happened last year. I mean, they got into a pool, started running through people, and then they get into you know, the gold and uh, silver pool or the gold pool and uh, started running through people there, and it was it, they were just really good. I mean, they were solid top to bottom.
0: Explain the format of the event. Um, you know, like how many mats? Is it a bracket? You know, how is this all run so people can kind of get an idea of, of what we're talking about?
1: <laughs> well, um, we run 16 mats. We run 15 top top competition competitive mats. We run a 16th mat as an exhibition mat for kids that uh, might not be the top guy, but they came with their team and they want some matches. So we run that pretty much solid for about four hours during the event. Um, <clears throat> but it goes bracket first. Everybody's seated according to, to the, the criteria that USA Wrestling puts out. Each kid that has been successful at some level gets a possible seeding point or two points, three points, four points, and even up to five if you're a national champion. Okay. Um you can you can see that uh I believe it's fifteen, maybe sixteen kids number wise, um can, can grab seeding points and then whoever has the top points um go into these brackets, uh A bracket, B bracket, C and D. Um they wrestle through those brackets. <clears throat> top team goes into the you know, to the gold pool. Um let me back you up the top two teams go into the gold pool. Uh, we do wrestle for a true second um, in the in the bracket to make sure the correct team is in the gold pool, and then uh, you know then everybody goes. We have a silver, I believe a red, a blue, and then even a yellow green pool. So everybody gets matches, even though they might have been successful or if they won their 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 bracket. Um, so let me let me
0: cool. let me jump in and make sure I understand it. So let's say you have thirty two teams there, and you've got an A bra an A B C and D bracket then right. those teams get ranked 1 through 32 and, you know, get put in the brackets proportionally, like 1 and 32 would be in a bracket, you know, then 2 and yeah. 31, et cetera. And then you guys literally wrestle it out like that. And the top two teams go to, like you said, the gold, you know, whatever it is that, you know, the championship bracket. And, and then those teams are going to end up placing one through eight, but literally there's even a, a 25 through 32 bracket being wrestled. So, One of the great things for kids when they come to this versus, like, going to Fargo is even if you're not great, you're going to get a ton of matches, and a lot of college coaches are going to get a chance to see you, right?
1: Yeah. You know, years ago, before they changed the format, um, you know, kids were getting, if they wrestled both styles in the duels, they were getting 20, 22-plus matches. Right. Um, A lot of of talk was brought up over the last, uh, it's probably been three to five years ago, Uh, We changed the format because we were afraid as, um, you know, state directors and coaches that our kids were getting too banged up after that many matches before Fargo. Right. So they backed it off. Now, um, your max matches on any given or either style is seven. Now, there is a couple of examples where a team could get an eight, especially in that very bottom uh, pool, uh, yellow, green, depending on how many teams there is, they could catch up an eighth match. Um, <clears throat> but the majority you're going to get, if you if you were a, a starting 32-pounder for Oklahoma and you wrestled every match or freestyle on in every match from Greco, 14 matches is probably your max.
0: I got you. Okay. And so I think one of the other things that people should understand, and then I want to get into the logistics and you know, all the people that you have helping you, but I think one of the other things that people need to understand is, because it's teams, if you want to see the matchup, like if you want to see, and I know they're from different time periods, but if you want to see Kyle Crutchmer wrestle Chris Phillips, you, you, that's a lot easier to find than it is at a place like Fargo, where you've got to kind of run around and wait to see which map they're called to and run over there and look at it. Like, you know when Oklahoma's dueling Ohio, and you know it's going to be the 9th, 10th, 11th, whatever match that is in, in the count. It's a lot easier for folks to be able to watch matches like that. You yeah.
1: With that? yeah, especially since Trackcast uh, is available um, there. I mean, even people at home, if they, if they'll have a better idea logistically of when that match is going to happen, so they could even, you know, if they were at work or if they were, you know, home with their kids, whatever, they could find, you know, you know that time to possibly sit down and watch the match
0: yeah and let's talk about that because i I've heard from some of my guys in Oklahoma how you and your staff are utilizing track wrestling and track cast on not only for junior duels but on a statewide level to make your events smoother and 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 a lot more successful and i mean i'm I do work for track, but by no means am I a tech guy um you know I do these podcasts and I really enjoy talking to folks like you uh but my knowledge of how this stuff that how it works is just it's not there, so explain to me what you guys are doing, how you're doing it, who's helping you, and how other states could follow suit if they wanted to.
1: Okay, well, first I'm going to piggyback you. I am not very tech savvy myself. All right. <laughs> but I will, I will tell you that uh, in the last two years, we've gone completely through track routes with all of our youth and our police-style event, so year-round, we're using track routes. Um, we're in our We'll be in our third year since our local season has just completed um, next year. And what we've done is we've got some volunteers that have become very, very efficient in the running of the software. So what happens is, is each tournament can, um, I guess, rent that person or, you know, pay that person to come in, and run the tournament for them on track wrestling. And I think we usually pay about $200 for that that person, you know, and it makes it real easy on the tournament director, especially if they're like me or you, not very tech savvy. For sure. uh, and what we've done, what we've done is um, we have purchased what we call traveling um, track wrestling sets. We've got four of them, of six, I believe maybe, uh, it might be eight. And what we've got is we've got computers, TV monitors, and two Wi-Fi uh, Hotspots in each traveling box. So if you have a match or a tournament of six matches, you know you can set them up. Logistically, you got the you know the the wiring, the, the electrical cords, everything with it. All you got to do is pick up the box, take it to your event, set it up, pack it all back up, and bring it back to where we have a, a central location that we take everything to. So here's our tournament directors. Um, you know, an easy, less than zero uh, financial you know, expenditure to be able to uh, use that, that equipment so they can run the track wrestling and make sure that everybody's on page. Now, what we've done is we've got some uh, some, some volunteers here in, in Oklahoma, and I, I'm very fortunate to have these these people like, uh, you know, i like to mention a couple of them, Pam McCall, Courtney Slover, Dusty Golowinski, Nicole Digwilder, uh, Stephen Schmidt, uh, you know, Stephen Schmidt wrestled at OSU. Those yeah. are, they have become our track wrestling viewers, and uh, you know, if there's any questions, if there's anything going on, um, even if they're not the, the the director of the track wrestling at a tournament, all we gotta do is make a phone call, and they can log. You know, and the nice thing about it is they can log directly in from where they're at and help us, you know, fix a mistake or or change something or whatever it is. And that's why I think track wrestling has become such a, a tool for especially us. Is even when you have a mistake or a, a question. It's very simple to fix. And, uh, you know, that, that's just kind of what we've done here in Oklahoma. It, it, you know, again, you know, we used to hand those brackets. Everybody, you know, when we switched over, everybody, everybody was like, what are you doing? You've lost your mind. You know, And uh, but I think everybody in the last few years has figured out that, that you know, once you get the tournament started with track wrestling, uh, you know, there's not a better software out there for the tournament running.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it. And then it also sounds like, you know, you, to kind of piggyback to what you said a few minutes ago that, you know, these teams are, their seeds are calculated on their points based on USA wrestling criteria. So I'm assuming that's also something that you can integrate with that software and just, you know, it automatically calculates who's got the most points and all those kind of things. And since all those results are, are, are loaded into track, even if you forget that a kid may be placed at Fargo or something like that, they, you would get those kids would all get credit for the points they deserve. It sounds like, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. And it's, just, it's just handy. I mean, when it, when it comes to running tournaments, I mean, you've done it as long as I have, and yeah, you know, back in the day, one of the biggest things that I see that track does is you remember how it was when you used to write those handwritten brackets? <laughs> yeah. You know, if, if 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 someone circled the wrong winner,
0: yes. and you had
1: that messed up, it'd be two rounds down the road before they figured out that it was wrong, and it, and it was almost unfixable. Well, now kids are so used as soon as they win or lose their match they look for their next match number and if someone put the wrong name they immediately know yeah so they're down there saying hey i won that match and now you fix now you're not in the second or third round before someone catches
0: it yeah for sure so y- you mentioned the the names of those folks that have that are you know it's crucial or super important to helping you make this successful if if other people are listening and they go gosh that sounds like a you know the right way to go but let's say they're, you know, not in a neighboring state, you know, like they're not touching Oklahoma. How did those people go about getting so smart with the software? Is it just a matter of them going on and, you know, just literally going through the modules and learning, or how did they go about doing all that stuff?
1: Well, we had a couple. And I'll be honest with you. I think there was two. Steven Schmidt uh, from Southern Oklahoma was is a very tech savvy guy. I mean, he's unbelievable with his technology ability. And, and he kind of had an idea. And, you know, in those first couple of years what we did is, is we had some track wrestling training. Uh, we had one at my school. We had one back in, on the west side of the state. And, and Stephen actually came in and kind of gave everybody a little bit of a, oh, probably a remedial type of training. Uh-huh. And then you know, and then some of these, these ladies that I mentioned have just kind of taken off and run with it. And, and the neat thing that, man, again, I, I don't know for sure, but I guess there's a test um, tournament you can go in and test and, and kind of uh, you know, finagle a little bit to see, you know, what you want to do, how, how to do this without, you know, having to set up an actual tournament. And I think our ladies did what they've done. They just gone on there and they practiced enough. So now they just understand and get it.
0: Yeah. You can troubleshoot that way for sure. So, sure, yes. yeah. So the other thing, you know, when I, when I spoke to you privately in, in preparation for this was you told me how important your referees and officials and your volunteers are to making you know, not only these events, but the other events you, or not only Junior Duels, but all the events you run all over the state. So, you know, tell me about some of those people and how important their contributions are to wrestling and, and how they make your job a lot easier.
1: Yeah, you know, just like I said, you know, with our track wrestling people, are, you know, our referee organization is probably as good as, you know, as we got because we got two of the top, Referees, not only in our state, but you know, inter, you know, nationally and internationally, with Jerry Coons and Danny Blackshire. Um they've got the organization here, the Oklahoma International Wrestling Officials Association, and we've got multiple, you know, younger guys, you know, even high school guys that are wrestling. We got some college guys that, are, you know, they're getting you know a little extra summer money, and then we've got you know, we've got a host of just adult men that have wrestled at one time or coach that have just decided this is a way to keep their their hand in the mix and. And, uh, you know, I, I just say this, it, it, those guys are crucial in, in your, in your, in your local state events because if you don't have quality referees, um, you know, it, tournaments just don't run very smoothly. And, uh, I know that Danny and, and, uh, Jerry have done an amazing job, um, with the growth of our, our, uh, referees and, and, uh, you know, their development. And it's really, it's really made our, our, job, especially mine as a chairman when it comes to, you know, events and having issues, um, uh, to have them in charge and, and uh have a you know a real good young um vibrant staff of uh, referees.
0: Yeah, and and I think that's obviously when you're running sixteen mats and those guys, you know, it's duels where, you know, you gotta have an outside it's multiple officials. I mean for people that, you know, maybe don't follow freestyle. I mean you gotta you know you got three referees working every match and you gotta have a guy sitting out so it's just the pure quantity of good referees you have to have is 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 pretty intense.
1: So yeah, you know, and they like to tell you that since I've been running this junior duels, I can tell you we had 70 referees coming in for the junior duels. Um, Eleven of them for Oklahoma, so multiple others from different states. Um, actually, each state is required to bring one referee. Um, you know, which you don't even have to even ask. I mean, that's just a that's just a given. Okay. And. Uh, But we have 70 referees go up for, you know, 16 mats, and they run the three-man mechanics on every mat. And, uh, you know, it's a four-day event, so those guys are gone, you know, um, for four or five days. And then most of them probably have to take vacation days off their their job. So, I mean, when it comes to volunteering, um, you know, referees probably volunteer as much hours as anybody because, like I said, you know, they don't – I don't think they even get paid. Um, I know I don't pay for for, the junior duels. Uh, for them, all I do is house and feed. Right. Uh, so I'm pretty sure they don't they don't get any, you know, monetary, you know, uh, compensation. So they have to, you know, it has to be a desire that you want to be uh, in that organization and be a part of the event. Because um, it's all about, uh, you know, the, the easiest to get away from work for four to five days, you know, three times a year, probably four times a year, if you do schoolboy that dinner and hotel.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they're de- definitely doing it for the love of the sport for sure and yes. yeah. And, and you know, I'm friends with uh, you know, a bunch of the Missouri referees. So I know what you're talking about. Um, let's let's jump jump uh topics a little bit because I I definitely want to talk to you about um your involvement not only, you know, with just with freestyle but also with bringing big events to the state of Oklahoma. Um I went, you know, to the Big 12s this year in Tulsa and uh was actually the first live event that I did anything for track wrestling in and uh you know got to see the arena there and and how well how well run that tournament was and I know you guys you know put a lot of time into bidding that and you know so tell me about your impressions of getting the big 12s and how you know you I know you have it next year as well you know, about that bidding process and, and how you felt like it went now that it, you've had one year under your belt doing that?
1: Well, first, you know, that was, a you know, about a two-year, two-, two three-year process getting that thing, you know, the bid, you know, available where we could put one in. Um, I have to give a lot of credit, though, to the Tulsa Sports Commission. Uh, Ray Wolf is the executive director there, Trent, uh, uh, Vince Trinidad, uh, Mark Hargett, Keith Point, those guys done an amazing job. And the nice thing about it is they kind of used me as a liaison for the logistics parts because those guys really aren't the wrestling guys. Um, So, you know, they're they're just things, you know, like how to do the, you know, the the finals. Do we use carpet? Do we light? Do we do stuff like that? You know, and that's where I kind of came in with just helping them on trying to figure out great things. But, um, you know, the event was amazing. Um, I'll be honest with you, I, I had a little bit of a personal, you know, (laughs) <laughs> getting that deal because my son was a senior there at LSU and got to wrestle in front of his home, you know, city and friends and family there for his senior year, and he ended up winning his second Big Twelve title. So it was, uh, it was a great event. And you know, when when you talk about bidding and getting it in, I think you just have to prove that you can handle it. And I think the Coastal Sports Commission has proven that they are a wrestling savvy organization. You know. Uh, and, and then, you know, with us being up on the USA Wrestling having such a close uh, relationship with them, you know, it, it was real easy to, uh, to to provide the correct information to get that bid in.
0: Yeah, and the OSU and the OU fans specifically really showed out. I mean, I, did they, did they ever give you what the attendance numbers were for that for that event?
1: We it was about I think eleven seven
0: over
1: a two-day period. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I think it was a little short than we thought maybe it was good. You know, we were going to end up with it. Um, I think we were we were pushing it for like 12, between 12 and 15,000. So it wasn't real short. Right. Um, you know, OSU brings a huge crowd. OU's building their program buckets. Their, their crowd will be bigger. I'll be shocked next year. And then I've seen where I think UNI is trying to get into the Big 12. I don't know if that's a done deal or not. I think but,
0: it is. Um, I think it is, yeah.
1: So, I mean, I could see us pushing the 12 to 15 mark next year, you know. And I think you've seen probably on TV, or I think you were even there, Dave, you know. um yeah. That one side was completely full, um, you know. And then the people were, you know, sparing, kind of sparing a little bit on the far side. Um, you know, the, the, the corners, the bowls weren't, weren't as much people. But, um, you know, the, the nice thing about that venue and, and the way they had it set up is there wasn't a really a bad seat in the house. Correct. Everybody, yeah. Everybody felt like they were a part of the you know, of the, the you know, the matches, the festivities, whatever. And uh, you know, and OSU had a record breaking, you know, performance and it right. worked out really well, especially for OSU fans that came in there and spent their time and their money here in Tulsa.
0: Yeah, I think the other thing that maybe gets lost a little bit in this that from the work you guys did is it gives all of those big twelve schools the feel of a, of a real prep tournament to the nationals that, I mean, there was a while there where that was a four team tournament. And I mean, basically it was like a quad, you know, and you know, you'd wrestle the semis and then wrestled the thirds and then you'd take this big break and they'd wrestle the finals. And, you know, it's really an event, you know, you could have probably ran in three hours if you wanted to. And now it's a legitimate, you know, two day event, two weigh-ins, and, you know, it's, and I think that's really good from a coaching point of view because you want your guys to get ready for that. I mean, obviously the Nationals are a three-day way in but, you know, if you're making weight that third day, it means you're on the podium and guys generally find a way to make weight if that's the thing. So I, I would assure you know, – go ahead, go ahead.
1: And I, have, and I heard some coaches, I didn't hear all of them, talk about, how the stimulation of being in the back tunnel preparing for matches was really close to what it felt like when you get to St. Louis.
0: Correct. Um, yeah.
1: You know, and, 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 you know, that's a big part. When you got kids that are back there, you know, maybe stressing a little bit, maybe their first time at the event, whatever, you know, if they can just have a little bit of logistic feel of what it's like to compete, you know, even at, at a smaller venue, which, you know, the BOK probably isn't much smaller, um, you know, here in Tulsa, but, you know, I think that it was just an all-around great experience, not only for for the fans, but in the city of Tulsa and all the businesses downtown. And I think the coaches probably felt pretty pretty solid too about getting their kids prepped for the you know, the national event.
0: I know for a fact they did because I did interviews down there, and that was a, a major topic with those guys. That the tournament, you guys made it bigger, and the kids need to feel bigger you know, feel that, have the feel of bigger tournament because, you know, you can't, you know, sort of do this little dinky tournament. And then all of a sudden the lights are super bright when they came to St. Louis or, you know, next year, Ohio and in Pittsburgh and on down the line, that the much, as much as you can simulate that, like you said, the feel in a tunnel and, you know, the, the fireworks and people running out in a big crowd and all that, 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 you know, obviously these kids are getting good younger and younger and wrestling in big events, but it's still really important. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you something else too. The crazy thing about those guys from the Tulsa Force Commission, as the event was going on, we were on the phone talking about what we could do next year to even make it bigger as the event was going on. I mean, what could we do? How could we set it up different? Is there something, you know, is there something we could do to make the crowd more excited? I mean, it was a constant, you know, feel of what, what can we do to make this thing even better? So I'd be surprised if, uh, us from the Tulsa Force Commission don't come up with something even, uh, more eventful.
0: Yeah, and, and I agree. And it actually segues nicely to what I was going to talk to you about next. I, mean, I think you know that I'm good friends with Chris Roseman here at the St. Louis Sports Commission and they're, you know, they've held, held the Nationals, I think it's seven times in the last however many years. And one of the things he stresses is what you stress is that no matter how well you do, what can we do to make it better? You know, and in their case, you know, they go to the other sites that are holding it. In your case, you know, you're looking at the other regional or national qualifying tournaments and talking to people in your world on how to make it better. So yeah. tell me about your impressions of the NCA bidding process, because I know Tulsa, you know, went in, put in bids for this last 2019
1: to 2022 cycle. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not real familiar, or I'll just be honest with you, I'm not sure how that all pans out at that level. Okay. Um, I, know, I know that we put in a bid for the 2019 2020 NCAA championships you know it, it just didn't work out for us um, not sure why I, I do know that um, you know there's just a lot of politics probably go on you know behind the scenes that you know I don't know about or even you know we don't know about here in Tulsa but uh, you know we felt like we could put on the event here um, you know and, and we're definitely going to probably continue to try to uh, bid. you know, in in the future, especially if these guys that are with the Tulsa Sports Commission are still around because these guys are go-getters. They want events here, and they understand how to put on great events. And, and, um, you know, I'm not sure where where, where it maybe fell apart or where, you know, it took the wrong turn. But, uh, uh, you know, we're not unhappy we didn't get it. It's just, you know, we're we're definitely going to, you know, go back to the drawing board and, um, you know, we've talked about looking at maybe getting the NCAA 2 championships. We've talked about maybe getting the NAIA championships. Right. Um, you know, we've looked at maybe getting the cadet world championships. That, that's been brought up. Right. Um, I mean, we're definitely, we're definitely pushing, you know, any event we can put on here where people will be proud of, uh, not only being a part of it or just showing up and, you know, and, and, and being a part of the event. Um, you know, we're definitely, uh, in for the, for the, the, the trial.
0: Right. And you said a couple of things there that I, I think are, are interesting. Number one, I from what I heard, I don't think, any, you know, Tulsa's bid fell apart. I just think there's a lot of really good cities bidding on this and, you know, they can only pick four. So I think, you know, you, you could have done a great job and just been fifth or sixth and, you know, done nothing wrong. I think the other thing which I literally had in my notes here is the next question to ask you is, you know, what events and you kind of touched on them, like, you know, the D2s, the NAIs, maybe the D3s did not put words in your mouth, but things like that. I mean, maybe even the junior colleges with NEO being so good there. You know, what yeah. What other events do you either have coming to Oklahoma or, you know, besides the one you mentioned, like cadets and those things, what are some yeah. of the big events that you guys are targeting to try to get to get to Oklahoma? Well,
1: you know, the NCAA was the big one. Um, you know, we were trying to get checked. Uh, we're going. We're going back to the drawing board. Like I said, you know, I've had, I've had it mentioned maybe the cadet world championships. Um, you know, that hasn't gone very far, but I have been you know, approached with that. Um, <clears throat> we talked about uh, the NCAA two championships, trying to get that possibly here. Sure. Um, and I think you know, even down, even lower, you know, down on the level, we, we um, the Southern Plains Regional is coming open for bid next year, and we're planning on putting a bid in to bring it to Oklahoma. Nice. Um, you know, so, um, here's the thing. Um, we're open. We've had, we've had dual team tournaments here that we've been putting on. We did, we did like, I think it was a March Madness or a Southern Plains dual. I can't remember exactly what we called it, but we had you know, multiple junior, uh, middle school and elementary teams here at one of our local high schools. They wrestled about 11 matches in two days. Uh, we're trying, to, you know, we're just trying to, um, fill our brands as big as we possibly can and get people to, support, you know, our our quest for event based on our performances with, you know, past events. And yeah. I think the Junior Duels is one that has definitely, um, you know, passed the test. Uh, you know, like I said, i got a bunch of great people with the Tulsa Sports Commission, my organization, my administrators, my volunteers, our referees, um, you know, and that event has just been something that everybody seems to really, really like. I mean, downtown Tulsa is really pretty, um, you know, um, there's a lot of you know things to do down there. There's a lot of restaurants for people to yep. come in, and, and we just we really don't hear any complaint at any level from the Big Twelve down to our junior duels and even some of our, our smaller events. So, um, but right now we're just looking at um, licking our wounds a little bit that we didn't get the bid, but uh, we're uh, we're moving forward.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I actually just thought of this, and I try to be prepared, but I can't believe I didn't think of this in doing my preparation, but. What is your involvement with with Jack Roller and all those folks with Tulsa Nationals and Tulsa Worlds, all those events at the, at the little kid level? Because you guys have to be doing something, some sort of partnership with them, right? Um,
1: no, we don't have any partnership with Jack um, and Roller Productions. He is uh, a separate entity. Um, okay. Most of his events are, uh, you know, done through, I think, his Roller Productions. Um, you know, and we just kind of – our kids go and participate when we, you know, encourage our kids to participate. But, um, thank Right it, now, there is. Go ahead.
0: And it's another chance, though, for people to see Tulsa because obviously thousands of kids are coming down there. So, yeah, I mean,
1: oh, yeah. It, his events are amazingly big.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, they're run very well. And there is some, I mean, in every hammer in the country you usually <laughs> try to show up for either that 15 uh, tournament or <laughs> that So, I mean, if you want to see great kid wrestling, those are two of the main events probably in the
0: country. For sure. So I, how do you see your role in USA Wrestling benefiting, you know, and I guess I should kind of preface this with I just spoke with Cody Bickley, who's the national high-performance team manager at USA Wrestling, and he's focusing on, like you were talking about, the cadets and the juniors and the under-23s obviously feeding into the senior level. But how do you see your role as the chairman benefiting the improvement of all age group wrestlers in Oklahoma
1: well Dave you know, I, I don't feel like my role is probably as much as developing our wrestlers because our coaches and our clubs and our parents do just an amazing job here yeah I still coach here at 12 and I have my own kids that I developed but uh, and you know I host one of the training sites we have here um, you know and, and kids come in but most of their you know they're they're of uh, technique and, and ability is coming from their club coaches. So, I mean, um, you know, I have to give our clubs, our coaches, our parents, uh, you know, um, you know, all the credit of developing our kids as fast as they are. Um, you know, it, it's an amazing to watch the level, you know, to me, because I, I have a 12-year-old that's not even, you know, he's almost going to be a seventh grade. So I'm talking about sixth grade and below. We have just got a host of hammers. <laughs> and it's just amazing to watch some of these kids these tournaments um, you know I'll just be honest I, in, our, in our youth state tournament I just got up and watched the finals up that way up at the top of the Lloyd Noble stand and watched their finals and I was just amazed yeah I mean the level of technique the level of scrambling ability the level of intensity the level of of uh, you know just desire to be kid have and it's just been so long since my sons are almost graduated and then my my little ones just not quite as you know ended up as my other two boys were but um you know to watch these young ones just compete is just uh amazing. You know, and I just don't remember that being that many. I mean I knew we had tough kids, but I just don't remember having that many. And that's a credit to our organization, you know, building an inclusion type of um atmosphere for all of our clubs, our coaches, our parents, um to be a part of the program. And uh it's definitely paying off and you know, and, and we've had, we had a bunch of kids come through our organization that, have, you know, especially, you know, I mean, Chandler Rogers, uh, Joe Smith, Kate Brock, my son, Um, You know, they came through and they all had a very, very successful, you know, season this year. And some of them are still there. Some are graduating. It's really fun to watch kids, you know, develop through our clubs and our coaches and, and you know, and, and excel and then, you know, eventually walk across the stage and graduate from a college and get their school paid for it.
0: Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And, you know, I'm a guy that when I, you know, I coached in college for a long time and, you know, I looked at national championship teams, whether it was junior college at our level or division three, two, one NAI and in, especially at the division one level, I think for a school to win a national title, it, it looks like, it seems like in almost every case, half their starting lineup is from the in-state. You know, look at it this year with Penn State and, you know, and the Ohio State and Oklahoma State, you know, those schools that are in the top three or four, Iowa, how many in-state guys they have on their roster. And it wasn't that long ago where Oklahoma was not doing well at Fargo. I mean, they did have a, a guy here and yeah. there, but the depth was not there. And, and you know, I'm friends with with the coaches at Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, and I know that that was tough for them because – the better your state is, obviously you, you have a home field advantage in terms of in-state tuition, kids grow growing up wanting to wrestle at those schools, and it, it's improved so dramatically there in the last few years. Um, I'm sure you're going to answer with, you know, hey, these, it's the coaching and the volunteers, but I, I guess my question is, do you see how this is how this improvement has happened, and from your perspective, how do you keep that that improvement going? I know you said you got a ton of hammers coming up, but how do you make sure those guys continue to be able to thrive and that you create an environment where these coaches and these kids can do what they do best
1: well I mean that's a great question i think I think the biggest thing is, is... Logistically and, you know, and organizationally, we have to provide the best atmosphere for kids to be successful. And, um, you know, our organization has blossomed or bloomed or whatever you want to call it in the last three to five years. And I'm not saying that it wasn't right before that. It's just, you know, with the addition of our youth organization and, uh, you know, and broadening our, our uh, board, our executive board and, and getting more people involved, I think everybody's kind of seeing the end product, which is you know the NCAA you know tournament and you know possible you know senior you know level wrestlers and and I, I'll just be honest with you, um, I I'm a big proponent that I think social media has really thrown uh, a motivational factor into kids. Um, you know, um, you know when my sons were coming through that you know flow wrestling was just getting started, they actually was one I, my Mid America tournament here in Oklahoma was one of First, flow wrestling tournaments. I can remember Kyle winning the um, the Reno Tournament Champions, and that was like the first time they'd been out there. And, and you know, and flow, and, and and you know, Twitter and Facebook and all these different um, levels of social media. I think has, has gotten gotten has provided kids a motivational factor that says, "Hey, I want my picture on that Twitter site, or I want my video on that on that website." And I think it's kind of um, you know, really help coaches help to motivate their kids to be good. And, um, you know, one of the things here in Oklahoma is we try to really, um, provide the best experience for our kids and we try to make it as financially manageable as possible. And, you know, we've, we've changed a bunch of numbers here in the last couple of years to try to get kids that couldn't afford it. We got scholarships and, and, uh, you know, you, know, you back up to what you're talking about. I remember getting on a van in a van when my sons were first year cadets with eight total Greco wrestlers, cadet and, ju- and juniors. Yeah. And last year, I think we took 138.
0: <laughs> wow. Kids. I thought you were going to say and 50 right- or 60. So, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And that was seven years ago. Yes. And,
1: uh, so I don't know exactly what the change is. Um, but I can tell you, whatever we're doing here, and, you know, it's I sat down with guys like Hardell Moore and John Smith and Eric Guerrero. and We tried to figure out exactly what the, the, the big plunge is right now. And I just think it's just people are bought in, you know, and, and coaches and clubs and, and parents. Just, just everybody's bought in, and they're, they're wanting to see their kids be the next, you know, Joe Smith, Kyle Crutchman, Chandler Rogers, you know, Davian Jeffrey, uh, Andrew Dixon, Joe OU. I mean, yeah. they just want – I mean – those opportunities are there now that just might not have been, you know, a few years back. And, you know, you go back to that that level of Oklahoma kids on our on our uh, rosters here in Oklahoma now. Yeah, you know, I'm a firm believer that that attendance record against Penn State wouldn't have been that big if he wouldn't have had five kids from Oklahoma wrestling in that match.
0: I, I, I would agree with that, and I think, you know, that's also how – those states, I mean, like, you know, like we, we said, Penn State is heavy with Pennsylvania kids and Oklahoma State heavy with Oklahoma kids and et cetera. So yeah. And, and you're, you're right. Cause I mean, like, you know, there's some kids I help out with here in Missouri when, you know, one of the kids I help out with his match from the state finals was up on track, you know, like the day after the tournament. And you're right. It's a big thing with these kids, the social media aspect of it. So, um. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned a couple guys that you know that I'm friends with, and specifically in in regards to what we're talking about, Hardell Moore, and I just I think the world of what he's doing down there with Oklahoma Wrestling Academy. So I know besides working you know at this top down fifty thousand foot level on bringing big events to Oklahoma, you know, and running the big events like Junior Duels with obviously the help of your volunteers and the people you you know you think so much of. I know you have to work with the clubs as well, so. What is USA Wrestling and Oklahoma USA Wrestling? How do you work with clubs like Hardell's and the other ones in the state like that?
1: Well, first of all, let me let me say Hardell's an amazing guy. Um, there is there is not another guy that I know that's got the passion or the ability to take three, four hundred kids in a club and somehow, some way, develop every one of them. I don't know how he does it. Um, you know, he's got his own thing going on down there. But the Oklahoma Wrestling Academy is one of our bigger clubs. Um, you know, I think he had over 300 members during the, the first call season. Um, I know that he is uh, broadening his, uh, you know, uh, future there. I think they're looking at possibly building a new facility and, and just moving forward with everything. And, and you know, it's it, it's easy to be able to, to facilitate for guys that put that type of effort into their organization through or my organization. Um, you know, it, 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 you don't have to chase him. You don't have to ask him. You just, you just call him and say, hey, this is what needs to be done. Are you okay with that? And he's like 100%. You know, and, and we've got a bunch of clubs like that here in Oklahoma. We've got a club up here in northeast Oklahoma that practices up at Chacusa High School named Freestyle. Uh, Johnny Cook and Tony Cook, run it. they've been wrestling coaches forever. Um, you know, then you got total Wrestling Club in Tuddle, Oklahoma that's uh, you know their high school teams on a nine-time, I believe, uh, state championship run. Wow! Um, and then, you just, and then you got Dayton Fix's, you know, club there in Fan Springs. They were six champs last year. Team Big, um, you know, just to say a few. I mean, we we've got clubs that are large that have multiple kids from different places coming. Then we've got your small rural um, communities that have you know kids that are coming that are mostly just just go to their high schools or their 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 uh, school system, and um, You know, it's just, for me as a state chairman, I can't tell you how fortunate I am because most of the people I deal with are wrestling people. So the questions they ask or the issues they have or or whatever it is, it's really easy to solve because they get it. Sure. And uh, and I think that's one of the biggest reasons that we've had success here in the last five to seven years is, number one, the communication process has definitely increased. And people just, we're making everything as, as easy and logistically, possible for them to not have to ask, you know, 100 questions. They just look at our website or our Twitter site or our Facebook page or whatever, and the answers are there. You know, and I send out a weekly email, too, um, to, I think, 1,600 um, emails. Uh, I send out a weekly update every week. And, uh, you know, a lot of that gets out through that. And, but I, I can tell you this, you know, if anybody's asking, communication is the key.
0: I and mean, it's just the key. Yeah. Yeah. Well... The people that I know that, you know, suggested that I interview you and that was a great suggestion. You've, you've been you've done a great job. They they really respect and rave about your leadership style, about how inclusive you are. And, you know, and certainly you've done this in this interview is giving credit where credit is due. And I think just as importantly, is empowering those people around you. So I, I know you're a humble guy of the people I talked to. So they didn't even know if I could get you to do the interview. But. There's people listening that are in your role or trying to do things that are big like you've done. If you had a suggestion or two on, on how you've been able, besides, I know you're going to say surround yourself with great people, but how have you been able to so effectively go from like eight kids seven years ago to 138 this past year? And that's just one microcosm of an example, but how have you been able to so effectively lead in, in the role that you're in?
1: You know, Dave, I, before I was a coach, I was a policeman. Um, I learned a lot of communication skills and professionalism and, you know, and and multiple um, tools to help me build relationships. And I think the main thing to do in my role is you have to develop relationships. Now, here's the problem. Some of those relationships aren't probably as positive as as they could be because a lot of people are still learning the process. And you know it takes a little bit for people to get it or to understand it or whatever it is. But you know the thing I've learned through you know my prior um, profession and then this is you have to be patient. Um, you can't make staff judgments. You can't make decisions until you see all the avenues. You have to put everything together before you you um, put a decision out there that might affect people, especially kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's one of the things I've learned here in the last. You know, two or three years being in this position is there's a lot of things out there that uh, you know you have. And don't get me wrong, I say you got parents that are very, very um, intense about their son being the next, you know, David, fix or whatever it is. And sometimes you have to, uh, you know, let them know that the, that the process is, is here. Um, we have to follow the process, and you know, and chances are for him to be that good, it's probably not going to happen overnight. And um, you know, some of the things I run into. Um, what I've learned through uh, being a policeman, being a coach, being an administra- uh, administrator of a program, being a teacher, is um, everybody's got, um, you know, a preference, and you've got to meet those preferences, but sometimes you have to make a decision that probably is, is positive with everybody.
0: Yeah, it's, and, uh, it sounds like a, a mix of diplomacy, patience, and straightforward communication skills really so yeah
1: and, and that's one thing that I've, I've had people say about me is you know I, I don't pull any punches i don't tell you what could be i just tell you what is you right know? And, and a lot of times that gets people a little bit frustrated but <laughs> uh, you know in the long run um you know when, you, when you're talking about stuff like this especially when it's affecting kids you know you would rather be told exactly what it is than than later on have to make you know uh a rebuttal on why it didn't happen the way you said, and um, uh, it's, it's been a good tool for me. Um, you know, and, and again, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I've got great people. Um, it, it's, it's amazing the, the people I have surrounding me, and uh, I can't I can't tell you how fortunate I am to be in the position I am because um, it's not me. It's this organization. This organization is way bigger than me.
0: Well, you're you're very humble and you're very diplomatic, and and I do believe obviously those folks have a lot to do with it. But at the end of the day, leaders lead; they get stuff done, and certainly you're you're a, a primary example of, of that. So I, I want to thank you for taking so much time with me today, and um, I'll be down there in a couple weeks uh, at your event, and I'm, I'm covering it for Tracks. I'm excited. I'm a little nervous because my my normal partner Andy Hamilton. Uh, we'll be in Waterloo covering the Hall of Fame stuff that weekend. So um, I'll be looking for some guidance from you to, to make sure I do a good job. But I, I really appreciate you taking the time to to sit down and talk to me today, Kevin.
1: No, no problem. It's, it's my pleasure. You know, I, I appreciate any time that we can uh, get out there and you know, and increase anybody's idea of what we do around here. And uh, I really appreciate you uh, giving me the time to talk this morning.
0: No worries. It's been my pleasure. And, um, you know, I'll see you in a couple weeks. So, ladies and gentlemen, that was Kevin Crutchmer from Oklahoma. This is David Merikatani with Matt Chat. Thank you all for listening. Talk to you next week.